0: Welcome to a new edition of The Famous Interviews with Joe D'Amino. On this episode, we talk with sci-fi writer and published author Thomas Benner. He is a devoted sci-fi writer crafting captivating stories that transport readers to thrilling worlds of wonder. He has had a career as varied as his characters. He is an honorable discharge veteran of the United States Army. He served during the Vietnam era in a variety of postings. A deaf, disabled veteran, Thomas has been a clinical psychologist, a bison rancher in Montana, a corporate executive, an educator, and a scuba instructor. For fun, he has sailed the oceans in wind-powered sailboats, climbed mountains, and flown airplanes. He is married and lives with his wife in Spokane, Washington, along with his small herd of English Mastiffs. He's got a great story. Enjoy this interview.
1: Okay, Thomas, thanks for taking a minute out. Okay. My first question to you is, how did you survive COVID?
2: (laughs) I got COVID. I caught it in uh, September of 21. I got it from my wife. They forced her to get a vaccine at her school. She was going to college at Gonzaga, and she was forced to take the shot. And because she got the shot, she was infectious, and I caught it. So I was down for about oh, seven days or so, I took uh, Crocetan and Ivermectin. I got the Ivermectin from a doctor online, got the prescription, and Walmart filled it. And it was really much to do over nothing. I uh, I slept most of the time. I lost 20 pounds, which was a good thing. (laughs) And uh, it was really very anticlimactic, fortunately for me. I'm a disabled veteran. That's why I lost my hearing. So the VA handles most of my health needs. And um, they were horrible. But that's normal for them. Sure. So you're a writer? Yes. I try to be.
1: How long have you been writing?
2: Most of my life. I published my first book. When I was in graduate school, I was hired by one of my professors to write a book for him, which I did. It was a book about Albert Bandura, who's a very famous psychologist who was the, the creator of the Bobo Dell study back in the 50s that the Congress used to create laws protecting children on TV. And I wrote that book for him. And that was back in the, oh gosh, late 80s, I guess. Um, so that was my first book. I've written our uh, academically, articles in academia. I was working on a doctorate in uh, economics and published quite a bit there. And then I switched to psychology and became a clinical psychologist. Okay, And I did a little bit of publishing there, but not not that much. I was mostly engaged in practice So where were you born and raised? I was born in Indiana and moved to Arizona when I was ten years old and basically grew up in Arizona. Did you always want to be a writer? No, I didn't know what I wanted to do i uh I've always been an adrenaline junkie, so uh, at a very early age, I grew up on my grandfather's lake cottage in Michigan. I spent every summer there until I was 10, and uh, on one trip with my grandfather, a scuba diver came up behind the boat. This is in the early 50s. I was probably four years old, and I was just enthralled. This guy, Frogman, came up with the with the sea hunt dual tube thing and I, I was just in enhanced so i decided when i grew up big i was going to do that and i did and then another trip with him a plane landed came, amphibious airplane came in over us and landed right in front of us and i thought i'm going to be a pilot and i did that so that's kind of My earlier years kind of dictated my latter years.
1: So what are you writing about now?
2: Uh, I am in the process of writing a science fiction series. I've written, I've just finished the ninth book in the series uh, a couple of days ago. I plan for there to be 10 books, but I can make more if sales are good. Uh, The first book is called Adam's Quest. And it will be published and available on Amazon in the next couple of months. Um, It's an apocalyptic tale about an alien race who covets the resources on Earth. And they come up with a plan because humans have nuclear weapons and this terrifies everyone. So they come up with a plan to smash an asteroid into the planet and wipe out a lot of people so that they can more easily conquer the planet. And that's what they set out to do. But they're cam handed and not the brightest bulbs in the world. And they screw it up. And instead of killing a lot of people, they kill everybody. It's an extinction-level event. They use a too big an asteroid that comes in too fast, and it just destroys all living life. And so the people, the few people that survived the, the impact of the asteroid and the volcanoes and forest fires and everything, the earthquakes that happened after that, uh, run out of food very quickly. And within a year, the grocery stores are empty, the, the warehouses that supply the grocery stores are empty, and the distribution centers that supply the warehouses are all out of food and there's no more on the chain the the impact of the asteroid creates a basically a blanket the earth and dots cuts out the sun plants can't grow so there's no food to grow and so the animals that eat plants die because there's no more plants and the animals that eat the animals that eat the plants die because there's no more animals and there's no food so the the few million people that survived the catastrophe have nothing to eat but each other, so cannibalism becomes the norm. And the story is about two groups of humans that survive. One group survives on Earth by, with the help of uh, another group of aliens who are friendly. They have a device. The aliens have a device like the Star Trek beaming device. And so they decide to, they come up with a plan to steal money from the cartels at drug houses and use that money to build a shelter to survive the calamity that's about to happen, but hasn't happened yet. And so they use this beaming device and they they transport all the guards that are at these safe houses to local jails. So now the safe houses are empty except for the drugs and the cash. And then they go in and they transport the cash away and they leave the drugs. And by doing this, they they steal literally billions of dollars from the cartels. But these are aliens. They're in space. They're in orbit. So the cartels can't touch them and don't even know at first who's doing it. But they create a huge pile of cash to finance the building of this large shelter that they used to to survive and the second group is helped by the aliens by they recruit a leader who is a former u.s army ranger and he recruits a group of people that end up be just over 100 people that are living on this alien spaceship that's uh, captained by a cyborg and they're going to transport this group of 100 plus people to a new planet that's very earth-like but not earth and they'll re-establish humanity on this new planet so you've got these two two groups that co- that cooperate and they know about each other but they can't communicate once the f- second group leaves and that's what the book is about okay the well survival of these two groups so, what was the first
1: book you fell in love with when you were young? What was the first book and the series? No, the first book you read when you were a child that you
2: really loved. Okay, the uh, the first novel I wrote is this series. The no,
1: first the first book that you read that you personally oh, when met read when you were a child?
2: Oh, boy, I don't even remember. It was probably Isaac Asimov or Robert Heinlein. Those are my two favorite authors. Um, I've read everything they've written. I can't remember the first one, but it's, it's been a long time ago because I'm older than dirt. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so what has been the response to your series? Um, so far,
2: it's been very good. Uh, I have, I've had several readers read my books as i've been writing them and critique them for me and then i use those critiques to improve the books and then i hired a professional editor and modified them again according to the professional editor and then i finally found an agent and and he's been spearheading uh, the second editing of the books and i I go, I've go. i been through them I countless times. And each time I go through them and I change them, I think they're getting better. My readers all really like them. So we'll see what people are willing to pay for.
1: <laughs> yeah. So who's been kind of a hero for you in your life?
2: Heroes? For you. My grandfather. He was uh, my mother's father. He was a character. He was not a very big man, but he was a very domineering man. And I was the first born male heir in his family for a long time. And so he was very happy to have a grandson. And the day I was born, the hospital was very busy. A lot of babies were being born. So somehow I got shoved. I got it put in a bassinet, put in the back of the room somewhere, and they never cleaned me up. I was still in my afterbirth. So he got off work, and he came to see me, and I was still covered in afterbirth, and I was born in the morning, and this is now early afternoon, and he threw a fit. My aunt ran the laboratory in the hospital, and her best friend was the head of labor and delivery who delivered me. And my aunt was two, three floors up, and could hear my fa- my grandfather bellowing when he saw me. He, he threw a fit, and so he had nurses bumping into each other, to, trying to get me cleaned up because he was screaming. And he was always a very instrumental person in my life. He bought the lake cottage for me, and I I spent my summers there. I was a wild
1: heathen. <laughs> So he was he was my hero. So what are your inspirations for you for this book series? How do you come up with this?
2: Interesting question. A lot of my stories come up in dreams. Uh, I'm a clinical psychologist. Before I lost my hearing, I was practicing and so well, I've got my doctorate and I had several, quite a bit of training in dream analysis. So dreams are important to me. But my my original inspiration for this series came from my bachelor's degree, I have a bachelor's degree in animal science. And one of my professors was really focused on the food distribution system, which he felt was very weak. And it's kind of his thing was warning people that our food system is very it's in jeopardy it's weak and it needs improving because it's it's so fragile and i kind of got that bug from him and i wanted to spread that word that our our food chain is fragile and that was part of the inspiration for writing this book that's the so, cannibalism yeah
1: so at the end of the day, everyone has an idea of you as an author. You know your family, all the people in your life, but you're in control. Who do you think you are? What do
2: I think I am? Who do you think you are? Who do I think I am? I'm me. <laughs> I uh, I'm I'm pretty satisfied with my life. I'm 75 years old, and looking back on my life, I have very few regrets. Most of my regrets are things I didn't do, as opposed to things I did do, and I've sure made my share of mistakes, but still, it's it's the things I never got around to doing that bugged me the most, and if I had the ability to go back and do it again, it would be those things that I didn't do this time that I would be concentrating on. But I've had a very interesting life and I've done a lot of things, traveled all over the world. I'm a sailor. I've lived on sailboats and traversed oceans and traveled, lived overseas quite a bit in my life. So
1: I'm content. So if anyone wants to buy your books or learn more about you, where can they go?
2: They will first be available on Amazon. We're just wrapping up the final edit right now. Uh, my marketing guy is also going to be handling the typesetting and all those things that lead up to the actual printing. And then it will go to Amazon. And if you, Amazon sells 80% of the books in the country. So you pretty much, if you're an author, you have to go through Amazon. And they require a 90-day exclusivity for your marketing. So the first 90 days, you can't market anywhere except Amazon. But once that 90 days is up, we'll be on Barnes & Noble and regular bookstores. But in the beginning, it's all Amazon. And that will be in the next couple of months. Uh, Like I said, the the final editing will be done in just a few days. And then it goes to typesetting. And then it goes to printing, and then Amazon gets it, and they do their thing. And then finally it appears for sale, we hope.
1: Yeah. Excellent. Thomas, thank you for your time. Thanks for reaching out. Best of luck. Say that again. Thank you for your time, and best of luck with the series. Are we done? We're finished, unless you added something else you wanted to wanted to add. I just wanted to kind of do an overview okay. and give people an idea yes. to not give too much away. Um,
2: I think the other part of the book that that people should be aware of is the a lot of the things in the book are true. They're not aliens. The things, anything to do with an alien, it's from my imagination. But there are several. Parts of the book that I talk about my mastiffs. I raise mastiffs. Those and uh, several of the incidences that I relate in the book are actually actually happen with my dogs and my wife, my my kids, and so those are all real. The alien part is imagination, but the the mastiff stories are all real as long as there are no aliens involved. So. I tried to make the books very realistic. I tried very hard to tell a story that was not a fantasy, but real. So We'll see what people think.
1: Excellent.
0: Best of luck. Thank you for your time. Thank you.